Welcome to another episode of Adulting with Wine. I'm your host, Sasha. Today, I have a new guest on the podcast. Um, we're going to do another finance episode, which I'm really excited about. I have Niqua from Financially Winning on Instagram. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, great, 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 great. Um, so tell them a little about, about yourself and how you started your financial journey. I know that we spoke a little bit about it on Instagram, but for everybody who does not know you, um, let them know what your journey has been like, because I'm also on a financial journey myself. So, Yes, awesome. So definitely thank you for having me, um, Sasha. I'm definitely excited to be on today's podcast as a guest. Um, my journey pretty much started when I was little. Um, I actually studied accounting. So my background is in accounting, like school-wise, literally from high school and up. And then I moved to the U.S. and, you know, I, you know, I went to school. I did my bachelor's in accounting and then I did an MBA as well. And with that, I had student loans. I did have scholarships and stuff to subsidize some of the costs, but I still ended up with some type of student loans. Like, I feel like almost like everyone has like student loans of some sort, especially if you at least go to like grad school or something, it's very expensive. So um, that's pretty much how I ended up with student loans and starting like my debt-free journey. Um, I feel like I always had an idea about like, you know, money and accounting and finance and things like that. But once I moved to the US, I realized a lot that I wasn't exposed to like growing up in the Caribbean because we don't really have like that whole like investing aspect of like building wealth and stuff like that. And I had just a lot to learn. Like I knew about saving. I knew, you know, I could have done the math. I knew all of that. But this whole like phenomena of, you know, investing and really building wealth through like the stock market and things like that was super new to me. So that's also a part of my journey with financially winning to be able to provide like those resources and tips to like other people to help them like eventually build wealth, but make sure that they know the basic, you know, fundamentals of finance, just, you know, as like budgeting, saving, paying off debt, things like that. Right, definitely. Um, so something I wanna know more about is like your experience, like living in the Caribbean. I myself, well, I'm a first generation American. Well, I guess you are too, in a sense, but like I, yeah. my parents are from Belize and Haiti. Um, okay and I was like I'm their child firstborn here but yes um so tell me what your experience is like with like your parents being from Caribbean islands and like did they have any conversations with you about money like um what was like your feeling around money like growing up as a child yeah I think like I saw like two sides of the coin because like one parent was like a spender and then one was a saver. So like, I felt like I knew about money, but like it was very limited to what was offered or available in the Caribbean. Like most people like focus so much on like just saving for a rainy day. You know, you hear that a lot. Like, it's just like, make sure you save for a rainy day. So I always knew like 
I needed to put aside money for a rainy day. Like if something happened, like, you know, it's like, okay, make sure you have some money to be able to, you know, cover an unexpected emergency or something like that. But I felt like that's probably as far as it went. My parents pushed education a lot. And that's one of the reasons that I did leave the Virgin Islands after I completed community college because they knew that I needed to like leave to be able to do more like and be able to experience like more in life. So by them doing that, I feel like they did set me up to learn more and be able to you know, figure out things on my own more than what's in the Virgin Islands. So I felt like from a money side, they did set me up on the education side because they pushed that so much. But other than like really talking about like saving and making sure like, you know, you you pay your bills on time and things like that. I feel like that that was pretty much it. But it was a good foundation because I at least knew like, okay, like, make sure, you know, you're always, like, paying your bills, saving your money, and, you know, you're good to go, but I later realized that uh, saving money is not enough, like, I cannot build wealth by just saving money. Right, right, definitely. I feel like, for me, on the, I feel like one of my parents, I don't have, like, a spend your saver reference, but I feel like one of my parents were, are, definitely on the side of like you need to pay your bills on time make sure you have yeah type of thing and my other parent is kind of just like a wing it type of her financial right so it may like if she had money in her account she buy what she want but like damn i'm out of my mama but whatever anyway (laughs) but like and that might end up with about a bill being late and i think now from what I've talked to her about like she's getting a little bit better about it but in general it's kind of like if I got money I'm spending what I want I'm gonna spend it yeah (laughs) and I think like I feel you a hundred percent like I think that's kind of what I also saw as well it was like where we used to actually say like oh like my mom was like cheap like because like if we wanted like money to like spend, it was more like, okay, I'm gonna go ask my dad. Like, you know, versus like, my mother would ask me like all these questions just to get the money. And it's it's not like she didn't have the money, like she had the money, but like she wanted like an explanation for like everything versus like, if I just like went to my dad and I was like, oh, daddy, like I need a hundred dollars. Like he would just be like, oh, okay. And like, I would have gotten the hundred dollars. But like, if I went to my mom, it was more like, oh, well, what do you need $100 for? Like, you know, like, are you planning to like buy something? Like, what are you planning to buy? Or like, what it's for? Like, my dad was more like, oh, I got the money, so I'm gonna just give it to her. Or, you know, my siblings, my mom was more like, well, okay, I need to know like the reason why you want this money before you could have gotten the money. So my dad was more flexible on the money side my mom was more like okay there needs to be a reason for me giving you like this additional like money you know and I even remember like when I was in high school like there was there were points where some people had their phone bills like on a plan right like 
we do like prepaid a lot in the Virgin Islands. And then you also have like the postpaid. But like, you're like a kid in high school. You don't really have postpaid if you're like, you know, a high school student. But like, that was a thing where my dad was like, no, like you guys need to have your phone like on a postpaid plan. So it was like, things like that is like where my dad was more just like open and more flexible with like money and having us, you know, have those things like having a postpaid plan. And I know that sounds like, you know, like it's like, it sounds small, but it's like, it's the fact that like money wasn't just like a big, I guess, bother to him. It was more like, okay, money's there to be spent. But then like my mom probably on the other hand would have been like, well, why can't they just have a prepaid plan? Like we can just put exactly what they need, you know, but my dad was like the opposite. So yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like, so like on both ends, I feel like for both parents, it was just definitely, I can't just ask for money. Um, yeah. But I like, because there was never an abundance of it, like from me growing up. So I can never, I, I don't even think I ever went to my mom was just like, can I have a hundred dollars? Like she'd be like, I don't have that. <laughs> like, what are you asking me for? You're asking me for something that I do not have. <laughs> right. So there was that. And then like also, but I do remember there was a point like um, where my dad was living with us and she was just like, I was at, at that point, like I was in this high school where like we could go out for lunch. So um, I would get money every day to like buy my lunch. Um, of course, yeah. usually fast food or something. Um, so it wasn't like I needed like a ton of money, but yeah, you know, when my dad was living at, with us at that time, my mom used to give me what, like, I think she used to give me like $5 a day or something like that. <laughs> but then like, when my dad was living with us, she's like, oh no, it's $10 a day. Cause he was, I, I guess, cause he was giving her the money. So he would, she was like, oh. $10 a day um, until he stopped living with us at that time. But it was crazy. Yeah. So it just goes yeah. to show you like what it is. Cause like I was going to have five regardless. Cause he had asked, the thing is he had asked both of us, like how much is it? Yeah. And she stopped me before I could say five. I said 10. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble, but I mean, I got five. <laughs> yeah. And there were definitely times like that. Like cause there were periods of my life where like my father lived with me and when he didn't. So I remember when times like, like she would buy me something and she'd be like, oh, don't tell your father. So it was like, that's oh. so, but it's interesting that your mom is like the saver because you, I feel like you really don't hear about like that dynamic um, yeah. in, in general. Usually like, it's like the dad is like the one you can't ask. And yeah. um, the mom is like the one that's just like, shh, don't tell nobody. <laughs> and I honestly think that also comes with being like, a daddy's girl too like for me especially because like I just felt so safe just like asking my dad like you know for anything because it's like I'm like his only like daughter and I'm his last child so it's like I have like you know double you know points in that aspect and yeah I definitely know there there's a lot of privilege around that too and I always like acknowledge that like just being able to have to my parents in a way where money wasn't necessarily like an issue and I learned two sets of lessons from both parents and then even with the lunch lesson that you were just talking about 
for example, my brother and I, we also would get like lunch money and things like that. And it would always be where my dad would want to give us more than what my mom would want to give us. And then eventually my mom put us on like a, a lunch plan, which honestly, you did not go on that. Um, people thought like, oh, you were rich. Like if you got on a lunch plan, because all you had to do was like go to the restaurant every day and like get lunch and they would bill like your parents like at the end of the month or whatever so like people were just like people actually used to try to like well can you get me like lunch and like you know your plan or whatever like if you were with friends but of course there you know there were some limitations to try to avoid that but I remember even sometimes that I would be like oh yeah like I, you know I'm gonna get you a drink you know put it on my bill or whatever it, it felt like so cool but like just having like that privilege and that um freedom to just like yeah like go to a restaurant and you know real awesome caribbean food and you're just eating that like good food every day and you just your parents just get billed at the end of the month like it's crazy yeah and so like were there ever points like when you were on that lunch plan where like your mom or your dad would get the bill and they'd be like hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> It will kind of be like, you got the big lunch and not the small lunch this time. Like, hmm, were you like really that hungry? Or like, were you like flexing? Like, you know, it was kind of like, okay, like I see that bill, like, you know. And then there was a point in time where some kids like after school, you're passing the same restaurant. So like, you would like try to like go in and get like a little like snack or, something. Snack or a little drink. And it'll be like, mm, you cannot put this on your plan. Like, you can't put that on, like, the bills. But it was like, you would try to get away with certain things, but it was like, no, nah, you can't do that. So I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, those are, like, fun times. No lie. Yeah, that seems like a lot of trust to instill in a, in a kid, especially. I know. Because <laughs> I can't imagine. I'll be like, listen, swipe. Like, that's, like, very reminiscent to me, like, of parents who give, like, their kids, like, uh, or, like, teenagers, like, credit cards. They'd be like, use this for Yeah. That's a lot of trust. Be like, I could swipe this for anything. Is that what you're saying? Like, if anything, what you think about it can be deemed as an emergency. I I know. I need these shoes. I don't have shoes. And I know. (laughs) And that's so, (laughs) that is so crazy, too, because, like, See, for me, I didn't, I didn't grow up, like, knowing about, like, using, like, credit cards and stuff like that. Like, that was not a thing for me until, like, I moved here. And I was like, what? Like, credit cards? Like, I knew what credit was and I knew what credit cards were, but I didn't have firsthand experience of, like, having my own or, you know, being able to say, oh, let me apply for a credit card. Like, when I turned 18 that was literally not on my mind. And I know sometimes like that could be a thing where it's like you're an authorized user on like, you know, your parents' credit card or something. And then like when you turn 18, you get like your first card and all this stuff. And like, for me, I was like, that did not exist. Like that was not a thing. And it was just so weird that like a lot of things I was able to kind of like just like compare and contrast. Like when I moved to the U.S., I was like, oh, oh, that's what y'all do. Okay, cool. 
I get it. I understand. But it was just a lot of little things I had to be like, oh, like, I was not used to that. Even like when I would have like my friends and stuff say like, oh, yeah, like, you know, their mom took out this on their name or, you know, like they had credit from time they were this age. And I would be like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like your mom put a bill in your name? I was like, don't they like check the age of the person? Like, I was just like, wrapping my head around stuff like that is so weird for me because I was like what like I could never like imagine like my parents like doing something like that you know right um for me that's still a shock that like uh, people have to go through that like their parents like ruining their credit before they even become an adult which is yeah incredible but it's a real thing and like I guess because like your your parent is your guardian and they have like full autonomy over your credit before you even become an adult it's like yeah I don't know I think like that system is like so weird for me like I literally had to wrap my head around that because I was like well I mean like I, I know like you gotta use like their social and stuff like that but like wouldn't something in the system of these companies like trigger like oh this is a minor like you know what I mean I guess like I just never understood the whole thing with like, oh, putting like something in your kid's name. I was like, so no one thought of a way to like stop this. Like, it was just so baffling to me. And like, I think that's where those dynamics of like, you know, your upbringing, things like that, because I would never see or I have never experienced where it's like my parents put me in a bad like financial situation it was always where they focused on ensuring that myself and my siblings were in a good financial situation where it's like you know they were like putting aside money for us for whatever reason you know making sure like we at least knew about the basics about you know bills and savings and things like that so for me like when I was hearing these things I was so baffled because I was like I realized how different like your parents and like your family dynamics can like affect like you know your finances because like as you said people come into adulthood and how do you already have bad credit like it's like what yeah and it's crazy because I remember like even when I was 17 and I was working I was just like I remember one day I was just like I'm gonna just stop by you know, T-Mobile and see if I can get me a phone because I wanted me a new phone or whatever. Yeah. They were like, no. (laughs) So um, I'm just like, if that's the case, how can people open bills and other shit and whatever? I don't know. It's just, it's still a mystery. But it is. Yep. I think it's so crazy though because obviously I think like they want it to happen and my like everyone that I've heard stories from it's like we're black like you know so I'm like hmm is this a thing where it's like they don't want to try to fix the problem because it's more affecting like maybe black families and they want us to come into the war with bad credit knowing that credit is so big in the U.S. like you know it's like you're basically giving your children like you know like literally like a negative like financial situation like like literally like a bad stat so I was like I wonder if it's like a systematic thing where it's like they know this probably 
may affect just I can say at least from the people that told me their experiences they're black so it's like okay is it a thing where that's one of those systematic things in the U.S. as a lot of things are that affects us more heavily and the reason they're not trying to find a way to fix it is because yeah they want us to continuously be affected by that right you know that's just something I've always like thought about you know yeah so I think that is a part of it because you know um the famous line from the Netflix show Black as Fuck is everything is because of slavery so this whole yeah it's just like built to set us up to be backwards from the beginning and even if you think about it like especially with situations where like you're an immigrant or you come from parents who are immigrants you already have that one backward step and they're already they're like your parents are already like 10 steps behind because now they're coming to this country um and a lot of their certifications or what they were in their country doesn't count in this new country so right right starting over in like in negative steps and then like you grow up and then you're already kind of like either at negative or at zero and yep. it's kind of like it's like a setup for failure and then if you are if you your parents does have like a um a stance in this country or you were like in a like a family where your parents were like American and you're also American it's kind of like you're you were either like at a point where like in general like black families and black wealth aren't like a, a big thing so right um, you already come from a standpoint where you don't know much about like how to make money but you know that you right. want to make money and your parents don't know how to make money and if they don't even have money they're probably utilizing what they can so they use it give your credit because I've seen that happen to right help before too and it's kind of like she was at a point where she needed to move out and she didn't have her credit was screwed up and so right she, like move out and I was kind of like there's not much you really can do because especially I was come I live I I'm from New York but I live in Atlanta mm-hmm. now. like okay. in New York you cannot get an apartment without at least 650 700 credit mm-hmm. and, like, there's wow it's very very hard for you to find an apartment at 600 and if you're under 600 it's like damn near impossible. Like, yeah. Unless you like, have more money to put down. And yeah, even, like for a deposit or whatever. Yeah. Even that. I, <laughs> I definitely think it's also of like us as a people doing what we need to do to like survive. Like, it's literally like a surviving mechanism at this point where. We know like, okay, if we got to get out of a situation and we need credit or we got to put the lights on and, okay, I don't have good credit, but my kids need a, a place to stay with lights on. Okay, yeah, then the parent, and I, I don't fault them. It's just where I just think like the system is just, it's just crazy. Like, you know, but it's like, yeah, they have to do what they have to do to keep the lights on. Like you can't have yourself and your kids in a home without life. So it's the dad doing that. It hurts the kid, but it's like, well, I'm trying to get you to survive like right now. I'm not worried about, oh, when you turn 18, you're going to have that credit. 
I am trying to do what I need to do at this present time to keep you alive. And I think that's what it's been about. It's more of like, mm, yeah, you might be messed up, but I think by the time you figure that out, you'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to like fix your credit, you know, and do what you got to do when you're an adult. But for right now, my number one goal is to make sure that you are, you know, fed, clothed, you know, all of that. You know, you have the basic necessities and having lights on is a basic necessity. Right. And that is something that's also so crazy to me. And I feel like it's also systematic. The fact that you need credit to turn on your lights. It's weird. (laughs) It's so weird. That is a necessity you need a credit for. And you almost need better credit than if you were to open like something like an internet line, which is so crazy to me. Like, because I think for if you wanted to like open like or get cable or internet, they still check your credit. But for utilities, you almost need like a very like a, a decent credit score or they want to deposit, which is like what? And honestly, just want to say, even with a good credit score, these people still be wanting deposits because. I have like almost like a 800 credit score. And when I recently moved, I still had to get in a deposit. Really? And I was like, are y'all kidding me? Yeah. What state, and like, what, as I, huh? what state do you live in? In Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh. They still ask me for a deposit. I'm telling you. I was like, y'all kidding me? So I don't know. because I, I know I was going to be like a new user, like with that utility company. Because I had, you know, another one previously. But I was like, but still though, like I have good credit. And I, I literally was like going back and forth with the lady and she's like, yes, yeah, like I do see you have good credit, but we still require a deposit and you'll get it back in like two years. So you know, your girl has her watch and I got my reminder on like, y'all want me my money in two years. <laughs> like, I got a little bit of time left. Run me my money because I want my money back. Because I don't think I should have been paying for no deposit. Because as I said, I have good credit and I still had to pay a deposit. So that's just to show like, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, that's crazy. I I have not paid a deposit in New York or Atlanta for utilities, um, even after they ran my credit. But that might be a Florida thing. Florida a little weird to me. I, I don't like Florida like that. You know, when you see Florida, <laughs> when you see Florida in the news, you know, it's just about to be some bullshit. Nah. <laughs> So, but yeah, but going back on topic a little bit, I know you mentioned like you, your family always taught you to like kind of save for a rainy day. Did they ever give you like an amount you should save for? I know like people who are like big into finance now, they say like you should have like three to six months of savings, but now with the panoramic in effect, people are like, maybe you should even have like a year saved. Did they tell you anything like that? It was kind of like, just have some money. It was kind of like have some money. Like they never really said, because honestly, the whole idea of like, oh, this three to six month thing, I only like learned that when I like moved to the US. Like I've never heard like my parents or, you know, anyone like from the Virgin Islands. I don't want to say the entire Caribbean, but I can at least speak for like the Virgin Islands. I've never heard someone be like, well, make sure you have three to six months to cover X, Y, Z. I like they just said save for a rainy day, which you know we would say, oh, that's your emergency fund, right? But there were no like requirements given or like any type of like guidelines to say 
well, this is how you even come up for that rainy day, quote unquote, fund. It was just like, make sure you save money because that's the thing. It was all about just saving money, saving like as much as you can. It was never about like, you know, 10K is your emergency fund. That's all you need, like cash. And then like, oh, you can invest the rest of your money. It was always just save, save, save. So there was never an end goal in sight. It was literally just every single month, if you're working, you need to put aside money. For what? I don't know. But it was just where make sure you have money. So, you know, if something happens, you have money and that's it. Like it was never where it was like, I was never taught about, okay, well, an emergency fund is X, Y, Z. And, you know, this, is how you do it. And this is how much you need to save as a rule of thumb. Right. For me, I think, I don't even know, like from a child, I was always like a person who saved like some type of money. And yeah, me too. I was never taught that. Like I was the person that would like get a dollar and spend like a quarter type of thing and always had like some type of change, some type of dollars somewhere. And (laughs) I don't know where I got it from because like nobody ever taught me like to save but as I grew like I kind of got out of the habit of that um I had like a savings account here and there but one time my savings account even got closed at one point because I was using it like a checkings which you're not supposed to oh yeah that for a long time I didn't have one again because um I reckon like I just didn't know how to effectively save. And especially when I was making so little at the time that I did have it. So I think like once I finally got to like my second grown up job, quote unquote, I finally realized like, okay, like I need to have like some little budget, even if it's like, it's maybe it's not exactly a thousand dollars right now, but at least I'm putting in money and not taking it out. Ask right as I was I think what also helped me is like when I opened up back the savings account there was like a promotion for like the bank I had like if you put in x amount of dollars then you get 25 dollars extra oh okay yeah that was my motivation to really keep that (laughs) That extra 25 I hear you (laughs) but you know take it or leave it you know you never know exactly I mean, that's free money. I would not be giving up free money. So yes, I will save the amount you told me I need to save to get my coins. Okay. Exactly. Leave it in the account. They tell you, you have to leave it in the account. And I remember like the person I worked with at the time, she did the same deal. And she was just like, so when do I get the $25? I was like, in three months when you don't take the money out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's like, you're psycho. (laughs) You'll have, I think you had to save like, put in like a minimum like a recur you have to set up automatic transfers for at least $25 a week for like three months or eight weeks or something like that and then you get it without taking out any of that money yeah I I I knew like you know especially like my mom as I said she was like the big saver so it's like making sure like, you know, we all had like bank accounts and, you know, things like set up for us and things like that. And even when I got my first job, that's kind of where like she was reiterating like that aspect of make sure you're putting aside some of this, you know, don't spend all of it. You have your bank accounts. That's what she kind of like 
told me like, okay, this is where one of your bank accounts are. You can like get paid there or like if they pay me by check, you know, just put some type of money away. But yeah, it was never like any specific like instructions. It was just where it's like, you're working, you need to put aside something. And I think when I think back on it, I've never really heard like anyone. Yeah, I've never heard anyone really say like, you need to have this amount or this is how you would even calculate how much you would maybe need for savings because from even like a retirement perspective, like a lot of people, they work for the government and it's like, okay, you get your pension and then you get social security. That's what, you know, people are like, I bet, like that's my retirement. I, if I work for government for X amount of years, I have my pension and I'm putting into social security and that's what I knew that people would, you know, retire on. I literally did not know there was like a whole thing like the U.S. stock market and the S&P, you know, 500 and all of those, you know, things. And I was like, oh, so people do not rely on social security here or they're trying not to, you know, now with our, you know, age group or our um, millennials or whatever, we are trying to be like, okay, we're not going to rely on social security and things like that. So for me, that's when I realized, well, technically, from a Virgin Islands standpoint, yes, saving might work. Um, but like with me being like a U.S. citizen, I obviously have access to additional, you know, financial tools that I was not aware of. And I think if I didn't leave the Virgin Islands, I probably would not have really been exposed to that. Like even like 401k and like all of these things, like I would not have thought that, oh yes, your employer would give you money, you know, into this retirement plan and you can put in money into this retirement plan. I would not have known about that because it was always just where it's like save, save, save. So people always thought that, yeah, if you have a certain, let's just say like you save like a hundred K, that's like, whoa, like you, you good, like you're set you know? Um, another thing that was not necessary, like with saving money, but having assets like land and like your own home and things like that is very like big in like Caribbean culture, like making sure like you had like land and your own home. I know like my parents also like stress that as well. Like people will kind of like pass. So that will be like our generational well, you know, thing that we did, it was more like passing on those, those like tangible physical assets and maybe not necessarily like where it's like, oh, well, I can pass on to you my 401k if I pass away, you know, or the, you know, that actual money, it was more where, well, I can pass down my land to you or my home that I built from like scratch. So Right. I think that is very big in like Caribbean culture, especially like with coming into the U.S. My parents, both of my parents never owned a home, but from what I've seen, like from other Caribbeans that move here, it's like Mm -hmm. always they have a house like back home, always, always, whether they have both like a house back home and a house in the U.S., but if they move here and they don't have a home back in the Caribbean, they definitely have one in the U.S. Like, so it's the first thing that they buy and they onto that home because it's just like that's like their symbol of like status when they move here it's not even yep. like what 
like other assets they have, but that's like their landmark of a success. Like I have. Yeah, that's like that's like their holy grail. Like, yep, this is like this is it. Like, I, I did what I needed to do. Like, you know, that quote unquote American dream type of thing. Um, and I think that's also why like the education aspect of it that's what I was saying like after I finished like community college it was like okay like apply for a university like you know you need to continue your education and that allowed me to be able to learn so much and understand like what I had available to me as a U.S. citizen because like as I was telling you like before like I'm a dual citizen so understanding like okay Virgin Islands like what we do and then also trying to say oh well but I have access to all these other things being like you know um, a U.S. citizen as well so being able to tap into that of course like I did not understand or care to know like oh I was a U.S. citizen like at 10 you know what I mean like I didn't care about that like I was like okay I was born in the U.S. like okay cool but when I was moving, that's when I really realized it was like, oh, this makes sense. Like there is a lot more that's available that I can do. And it's like, all right, bet, let me tap in. Like, let me tap into this and use like, yeah, it's like, okay, like let's go. So I have leveraged that dual citizenship to, you know, better myself and my finances at this point. Definitely. Um, Something else I want to talk about is kind of like your debt journey. Like, so can you talk about a little bit like how you got into debt? Is it solely school debt that you have? And like, at what point did you decide like, okay, I need to aggressively start paying this off? Yes. So I do only have student loans. Um, and I went to community college in the Virgin Islands, which was completely free for Virgin Islands citizens. So I did take advantage of that. And then I also had did classes in like high school. So I was able to do, you know, a couple of community college classes. So I was like out. In the Virgin Islands, typically you like back then you would graduate at like 16. So by 16, I was done with high school. And then by 18, I had my first degree. So it was like, okay, what's the next step? So then when I went off to Florida to go to school, I was pursuing my bachelor's degree in accounting and I did have like a ton of scholarships. However, where I kind of fell short was even though I'm a US citizen, I was not a Florida resident. So remember, I am literally by myself in the state, my parents and everyone is back home in the Virgin Islands. I moved to Florida on my own to go to school. So I didn't have anyone to, you know, say, oh yeah, well, you know, she, she lives with me. She's a Florida resident. I didn't have anyone to help me to establish residency. And they were like, well, you can't be an independent student because I didn't have any like income, you know, to show like, well, yeah, like I am an independent student. It's like, no, I'm relying on my parents and scholarships like to get me through school. So my first mistake was I was a transfer student, of course. So by the time I transferred to a four-year university, 
my advisors like screwed up mind you this is my first time like going to school in the u.s and i felt like i did all the steps where i got my transcript evaluated made sure that they you know accepted like my community college um degree my associate and it was still like an issue with the classes that i had to take where i literally ended up in the classes that I needed to take to get me into the accounting program. So I ended up kind of like wasting time in a way. And then I ended up transferring from that school because I did like two semesters there when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to get into the accounting program in the time that I needed to because like the classes that they had me taking was like setting me back. It was like where I was taking over some of the classes that I had already taken in community college and that they had already accepted from my international, you know, um, transcript evaluation. So I ended up like kind of wasting like a year. I literally had to add a minor so that I could keep my scholarship because you know how it is. Like you have to have like, you know, kind of like full-time, like 12 credit hours to be considered like for a lot of these scholarships. So I could not just be like, oh, yeah, well, let me just like take the three classes for nine credit hours. It was like, no, I got to fill my schedule to make sure I don't lose my scholarship. So I ended up picking up like a minor in like hospitality, literally so random. I mean, I like hospitality. So I was like, OK, bet I'm from the Virgin Islands. Like that could really go good if I ever go back home to mix accounting and hospitality. So that's how. That's how I came up with the idea of doing the hospitality minor, just to fill my schedule. So anyways, I ended up kind of wasting time there. So of course, but I'm using my scholarships, obviously, to get me through, right? So by the time I transferred to another four-year university in Florida, I also now had a year under my belt from the previous school. But remember, I still didn't take some of the classes that I needed to take. So at this point, I'm like... Well, I still got like two more years of school to go. And I already came in with two years because I had an associate. So I was kind of set back by like a year at that point. So eventually my scholarship money was like, okay, it's dried up. You know, like I was, I literally had like maxed out like my, one of my bigger scholarships because it's only for a certain period of time. And even though like I did that year at that previous school, they don't care. Like I use the money. So, you know, like however I funded school after that was like up to me. And then I also took like a semester off, for example, to like intern um, at like a big four accounting firm while I was an undergrad because that was like the big thing. Right. So I did a lot that kind of like, I guess, pushed me back timeline wise. So that messed up like my scholarship availability. And well, not availability, that messed up my scholarship eligibility because I kind of like maxed out some of those bigger scholarships and I applied for a lot. So that's how I ended up taking like a little bit of undergrad student loans to get me through like my last, like, you know, semester or whatever. And then, so that was undergrad. And then my grad school degree, I did my MBA. I did pick a um, state school. So that did help because by that point, I was like working, 
I was like, yeah, I'm a Florida resident now. Like, y'all cannot try to play me. I'm not paying these international fees no more, okay? Like, I think that that's another thing. Oh, don't, don't even get me started with you being a U.S. citizen and you're still, like, paying, like, international student, like, fees. Don't even get me started on that. They literally were like, yeah, I'm an international student, like, pretty much. Like, I still paid out of state, like, tuition. Because you didn't have like, this address. That yeah, it? like, I didn't have anything, like, in Florida to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm establishing or my parents or anything. So I still was paying, like, these high out-of-state fees, even though, like, okay, the, I've been living in Florida to go to school. Like, I think that should count for something, but it did not. They were like, no, you cannot get this Florida, you know, residency rate for tuition. So that's what also pushed me out of that scholarship, you know, all that money that I had for scholarships because out-of-state tuition is very expensive. And then even, like, after, like, a year or two, because I never had, like, my own apartment and it was, like, student housing, even though it was, like, affiliated, even though it wasn't, like, on the dorms, per se, they still was, like, nah, like, we're not going to consider you as a Florida resident. So I literally went through, like, entire undergrad for like that two and a half years paying out of state tuition. Wow. So then I, yeah. So then I took a, sem I took a year off, not a semester, after undergrad, because I was like, well, first of all, I'm not gonna be paying full in full for my grad school education. That's number one. I was like, it's, I'm not going. And then number two, I knew that I needed to pick like an in-state school because I did not wanna have to go out of state to somewhere else and then I would have to be like doing the same thing that happened to me in undergrad to pay those out of state tuition fees. I was like, I'm not doing that. So what I did is like, I started to establish myself. Like I went and I got like a off, you know, no off, no campus, offsite campus or on-campus housing. I got my own apartment, you know, all of that. I, you know, put things in my name, of course. So I had started to get my utilities in my name and all of, you know, all the bills and such to start to establish myself because remember, my parents are not here. So I did all of that to establish myself. So by the time I was ready for grad school with the year, then I could be considered a Florida resident because I had to then prove, hey, yeah, I have all these stuff. I had my tax returns and all that stuff at this point because I was like out of undergrad and things like that. So then I took out some loans for my MBA program, I did get, you know, it partially, um, you know, funded. So I do recognize that I was um, fortunate enough to get scholarships. Um, I applied for like scholarships by the state of Florida as a minority accounting student. So they funded like a year of my college um, in grad school. It was a two-year program. And then one of my semesters was also funded by my employer at the time through tuition reimbursement. I did have to kind of cover those summer semesters and that's kind of where the student loans came in. Yeah, um, for me, I have like both. Um, I have the personal debt and I have some student loans. Thankfully, yeah. um, I was a lot younger, like, when I started college, so I was about 16, but I also had nice. um, with a two-year degree, um, and then I went to a city school, so 
Um, it was very, very affordable to the point where for the most part, it was covered by like my financial aid because like nice. a lot of money type of thing. Right. Um, where my student loans came from, I think I took, there was one semester where like there was an issue with like my state funding and like mm-hmm. where like my my classes I guess didn't match up and I had to like I think I ended up fixing it that semester or something but I know for sure it was just like I took a summer course one year because basically the director made me take it because in order to get like you know how the whole like politics in order to get permission to this class yeah like permission and it was crazy because like I had ended up taking like another class and not taking like the prerequisite course so he was basically like, I don't even know how you took this other class, but I'm going <laughs> to take this other class um, without the prerequisite, but you have to take it with me this summer. I rest like, so that's wow. class with him that summer, which I ended up doing. So that was a part of it. And then by la- but right before my last semester, I ended up going to India, study abroad. So most of it was because of that. So okay. There was that. And then also, like, as, on the personal side, like, I had my, I got my first credit card at 18. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you heard what she said, guys. Don't do that. <laughs> no, what the hell I was doing. And, of course, I maxed it out. And it took me a while. And it wasn't even a lot of money when I first got right. it. I think it was just, like, I think it was, like, $1,000. And I maxed it out on, of course, childish things. And right. Then, um, I think at some point it increased to 500, like 1500, I maxed that out too. And then, um, I didn't pay it off for like a couple years until I was like 20. I had gotten some money and I, I paid it off in full, but okay. for the years in between that, I was just paying the minimum. Um, yeah. You just had like, the balance was just chilling pretty much. Like Right, exactly. So yeah. who knows how much money I really paid towards that $1,500 balance. And I still have that credit card now, which I ended up maxing out again later. Oh. <laughs> I ended up maxing out uh, two credit cards because I got I had gotten a second credit card later on. And when I first moved, I really planned to move out on my own like when I did. And honestly, what I should have did was just like kind of use like the credit to like buy like my absolute needs, like get a bed and like right stuff like that. And then like the rest, I could have just like waited and like kind of paid out with like saving or like during when I got my checks and stuff like that. Yeah, like to cash flow it. Right. I didn't do that. Um, I <laughs> bought everything on my credit cards. So that was just a terrible mistake. But now I'm at the point of like, I paid off, I paid off the second credit card so many times, but now it's like, I'm not, I, I haven't thought that not, I fully paid it off. I might just cut it up, but you never know. Like you can't just cut up your credit card either, especially when you feel in debt because like that just, you have to have some type of functionality on it every six months or rest like they'll just close it out. And then that fucks you up too. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm I think, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think just finding the balance between, like, okay, like, if you want to be out of credit card debt, it's like, yeah, maybe set up, like, a little simple, like, small recurring thing. Because that's what I do for one of my credit cards that I don't really use like that. 
but like I don't want it to like you know get closed out for like no activity so I literally just have like my car insurance like get charged to that every month and then like I automatically just paid off I personally just hate credit card debt I think it's just so I think credit cards are just so predatory and I hate these companies like <laughs> I use credit cards don't get me wrong like I use credit cards but I do think that there's just this it's kind of like student loans with like just this predatory type of lending and it's like why do credit cards have like 20 percent plus interest rates like what like are you kidding me so, in total exactly like if you are not like if you don't have like maybe that discipline or let's just say you don't have like an emergency fund to cover certain things it's like yeah your credit card would be like the next thing that you pick up and I think like that's what I mean when I say like I hate credit cards because it I feel like it does charge people this extreme up charge and I think once people try to understand like the the negative effects of compound interest when it comes to debt maybe more people would be like oh yeah probably the credit cards and kind of keeping those balances is more detrimental to me versus like let me just wait to see if I could pay for, or like you know cash flow this purchase like is the interest that I'm gonna pay on this worth it you know um and that's the only thing I hate with credit cards I just think like they charge people too much. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, I don't even understand, like, how that's even, like, legal. That, like, uh, interest rate, like, you know, like that is, like, normal, you know? And, um, yeah, with me, with my debt-free journey, I always knew, like, yeah, I got these student loans. So I, I'm like, okay, I got to pay them off, right? Like, and, you know, I signed up for this. But... I completed a few, you know, other like financial goals and, and things before that, like after I graduated with my MBA in December 2018. And then, of course, I didn't get charged for my student loans until like six months after that. So by like, I guess like June, July, whatever is when like I got like my first like payment post on um, not undergrad, grad school. And then I was like, okay, like, it's not too bad. But I was like, I'm not going to be paying, like, this minimum payment, like, till 20, whatever they said. Like, I think it was, like, 2029 or something. I was like, what? Like, no. I was like, I was like, are y'all crazy? Like, I am getting rid of this. Like, no. Then I went through 2019. I just, you know, paid my minimum, like, through the six months in 2019. I was doing some other, you know, other, like, you know, major things like financially so my most of my money was going towards that so I was you know paying my minimum payments for those six months in 2019 and then 2020 rolled around and I was like okay I'm done with some of these other stuff like time to put my money towards like getting rid of like these student loans and then of course like pandemic hit so I was kind of I think like one month I think in February when I got my tax return I put like a you know like a a, a big quote-unquote payment not big girl it was just like a couple hundred dollars but it was more than the minimum so I put that on there and I was like okay, okay like this is cool but I did not really start putting down like on my student loans until like June 2020 I paid like two student loans like in the same month like I paid two of them off and I think that's when it kind of like really like 
started like my true, true journey. Like I did come into 2020 saying like, yes, this is what I'm going to work on. This is what I'm going to focus on. And just for context, I had like 21,800 and something dollars in student loans that I need. Well, by the time I checked it, that's what the balance was. I don't know how much I had borrowed at that point or, you know, interest and all of that, but that's what's the balance. That's what the balance was like when I checked it. And I said, like, I started 2020 where only like in February, I put like that $400 on there, but then I was just paying the minimum. And then remember pandemic came and then they were like, oh, you know, student loans aren't due. And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Do you mean I can put principal only payments on this thing? And like, y'all are not charging me interest. So that's when I got pretty like lit. I was excited at that point. Like when they said like, you know, a match, where they stopped like the payments. And then they were like, it's until September. I said, okay, this is my chance, you know? I was still kind of paying the minimum, as I said. And then around like May, June, I started thinking like, hmm, I had some money set aside where I didn't put it to the student loans, but I was kind of thinking about it. And that's kind of when I really just went ham. Like I paid off the two student loans in June, 2020. So that was like my first like real, like, okay, bet. Like I'm on this debt free journey. I'm getting rid of these things. And then they extended it and they were like, they are putting it to, you know, till December. And then, you know, 2020 was over. And then at that point I had paid off like 40% of my balance between like that six, seven months or whatever it was, you know, end of June to like December. I was like, oh, like this, like what? Like, I was like, okay, bet. Like, I'm almost there. Like, I could just, I could do this. And that's when I knew that I was going to be done with this in 2021. I had set out to be done like December 2021, but I honestly like underestimated like my drive because I have gone like ham with these student loans. Like, every kind of like all the extra money that I've gotten, um, majority of it have been allocated to these student loans. And I know there's talks about like forgiveness and things like that. So what I have done now is I paid off, I think I had paid off, I don't want to like misquote, but I think it was like 12K. Yeah, I think it was like 12K in like that 2020 period. And then coming into 2021, I paid off one of my other loans in January so then by the time like February came around I got my balance under that 10k balance because now they were saying like oh like they may forgive like at least 10k blah 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 and I was like okay well I may be eligible for that but I'm still trying to be out here debt free like I still I'm still not relying on the government to do anything for me so what I did to kind of get the benefit of not having the interest and still being able to, you know, put towards the debt, what I've been doing since February is just saving the remaining balance that I owe Navien in a high yield savings account so that I can get that interest. You know, it's like free money. My student loans are not due again until like October when the forbearance is done in September. So I said, what are they forgive these loans or not the point is Mika has his money and I can just press submit and not owe Navient any more money so that's kind of what I've been doing right now and 
with the savings total and the amount that I paid directly to Navient in like 2020, I'm like 90% of the way to debt freedom. So I got like 2000 and something dollars left to save in my high yield savings account. And I'll be considered like debt free from these student loans. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned like a possible yes. forgiveness because like where I am is like, okay, I think what I have left is maybe like, mm, I want to say like five or $6,000 left in personal debt. Yeah. Um, and then, which is definitely going to be paid off before the end of the year. Hopefully, God willing, before, like, I, I think definitely in quarter three but not willing before then. Um, Right. But my, for my student loans, I have, I only have 7,000 and I've only ever had like around seven. So basically I haven't really paid it. Right, right, right. (laughs) I've been staying at the same amount. So um, basically where I am is kind of like, you know, 6,000, $7,000 is not a lot of money. Right. In perspective, right? But, right. you know, Joe can make it happen and I don't got to pay it. Why would I? Exactly. So like I, that's like my sort of plan is like once I get rid of the personal debt, because that's like my first priority, because that's like the highest interest. Um, after that, if, you know, Joe doesn't make it happen for us, <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna start paying it, but also like. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, because it's just like I don't want to start making these big payments because I'm gonna be done quickly. And right, then, okay. Like, on the other end of it, because I'll be damned if like by like mid 2022 I pay off all this debt or whatever, and then Joe's like, yeah, and now we have loan forgiveness. I'm gonna be oh, be like, uh, can y'all put that like retro? Can I get a refund? Right. Can I get a <laughs> refund? Like honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I've been like toggling with it. And now that I'm like so close, so like my actual balance right now is um, $9,855 of like the two student loans that I have left in Navient to pay. My Ally High Yield Savings account balance is like $7,765. So I literally have like 2000 and like, uh, you know, some dollars left to save. And for me, I thought about the idea of like just clicking submit and just getting rid of it. And I was like, but when I think about it, I was like, that is no benefit to me. I was like, that's dumb because my loans are not due. No interest is accruing on it. And I can just have this money sitting here until September and I could be getting the interest on it because like, that's basically like 10 grand that I'm saving in that account to pay off the student loan. And I was like, once I have the money in the account, I'm done with the student loans either way, like whether I press submit or not. And that's why I'm like, yeah, that's debt freedom for me because I have the money. I'm not waiting and I don't have the money. I have the money. And if they do it or they don't do it, regardless, like your girl is debt free come May, 2021. I'm going to be done. I will not be sending another cent to Navient or my high yield savings for my student loans. And that's kind of where I'm at at this point. It's like, it's been a crazy journey, like the last like 
year. Like I said, I started like June 2020, really like going ham with those two payoffs. And when I realized that what was possible for me, like just that one year of like dedication, I was like, bet, like y'all don't even have to like force me. Like I'm doing this because I'm so big on like being able to do more with your money. Like I always tell like people and like my clients, like in my one-on-one coaching, for example, like when you pay off debt, you're giving yourself like a raise, like not having to pay Navient anymore or, you know, paying for anything, like any credit or whatever. I can keep that money for myself. Right. I'm also like a travel blogger. So it's like, girl, I could put that money in my travel fund. So I can be going, you know, somewhere in the world or like throughout the States and like traveling. Okay. So I want my money to belong to me. So all of those major big payments that I've been making now, I won't have to focus on that anymore. Once I have this balance saved up, then I can literally be like, okay, I'm free from this. Let me start shifting my money to do those things like investing and being able to build more wealth because my money would be back in my pocket, basically. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still like on the fence. I'm just like, yo, just make it happen. Just, just do Hello. it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel you. Like now that you're at the point, because if you could save $10,000 and he'll be like, it's forgiven you have ten thousand dollars that you can like figure out what to do with like wouldn't that be such a blessing it's so crazy like i literally have like a list of things that i can do with the money and one of that is like first of all i would max out like my first like Roth IRA like in a second like i would literally just like drop that money and be like that and then i would have more you know i would still have more money like left over so I literally have like just this list, but the, the Roth, I, like maxing that out will be like the first thing that I would do if they do forgive these loans and I have the money sitting there. Yeah, there's so much I can do with that money, like almost like 10 grand. Like, as you said, like, that's a lot of money, you know, so a lot of you know, money, maybe not a lot yes. of contests because you want to say like money. Because I would say ten thousand dollars is not a lot of money, but in the context of free money that you don't have to pay yes. bills, that's yes, yes. yep. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. It's like yeah, money that I can just like kind of like do what I want with it and just figure another purpose for it. Versus like oh, I didn't have to pay these student loans with it. I could just use it for something else. So yeah, I feel you on that like a hundred percent. But we gonna say let's say a prayer for Joe. Let's see if you can make it happen for us. We're going to see. Let's go, Joe. I want to say, like, we did it, Joe. Like, come on. Right, like, let's I go. Wanna, like, I want to <laughs> say that. Like, I want to say that. But we're going to see. Um, like, we are rooting for you, Joe. Let's go. Right. But anyway, I just want to say this. Like, why can't the people who were in the, the Capitol during the insurrection, why weren't they in there trying to delete student loans? Y'all were in there making a ruckus, opening mail delete all the student loans well i guess that's like with that's another building right well whatever (laughs) um yeah what is your advice for those who are one because a lot of you know u.s students have huge huge student debts especially people like you who have went to out-of-state schools they have way more than even what you have. They probably have like right. 100,000, 200,000. So what is your advice for like 
starting to uh, tackle a large balance because like for me on the other end of it like I have a very low uh, low student loan balance like people when they yeah then it's like okay <laughs> and it's crazy because like even like when I tell people like I'm like yeah you know um my student loans is like 21k or whatever and they're like but you have your MBA and I was like oh well, yeah and I was like, well, I did pick my school, like the cheapest school that I could pretty much like afford, quote unquote, even though I took out, you know, student loans for some of it. But I was very strategic with like the grad school thing because I was like, I'm not about to be, you know, having like, you know, 100K, like as you said, because that can be possible, especially with like an MBA. So people are always like, oh, well, you don't have a lot because like, oh yeah, for MBA, like, you know, so even like for me, people think like, your the amount that I had like for the degrees that I have is not a lot but just to me it's a lot I'm like I still owe someone 21 grand so it's a lot of money I think with tackling any type of debt especially especially if you have like six figure debt like you know student loans or whatever it's literally just understanding at the beginning like it's gonna be a long road and I think like it's easy to kind of be like, oh yeah, just, you know, stop paying off debt. It's like, no, you need to first acknowledge that this is going to be a long journey for you, especially like depending on your income and what you're able to do with your income. Just that will be the first step. Just knowing that going into this, this is not going to be a, you know, it, a, a, a sound good you know story where you know everyone is like oh yeah I paid off like 50 grand in like six months you know <laughs> and it's like those stories are great because I mean people will probably say the same for me where I can pretty much say oh well I paid off or whatever you know 21k in you know 11 months 12 months whatever the number is but I think for me knowing that I dedicate like that one year and like finish my journey other people with maybe larger amounts of debt need to know that that might not be a reality for them, but that does not make their journey any less. It just means that you're going to have to stretch that motivation to pay off the debt throughout a longer period. And then my other thing would be when you do then decide, yes, you're going to pay off this debt and you have decided that, okay, it's going to take me a while. So just acknowledge that's going to take you a while the second thing would be just breaking up the debt like if you have like individual student loans tackle like the individual loans so that you're able to kind of see some type of progress and I think even for me I use the debt snowball method to pay off my debt and I had like six different loans seeing that one loan get crushed motivated me to crush the next one and the next one and the next one so you can apply that across any type of debt that you have when you're paying it off so whether it's student loans or any type of you know other like consumer debt just breaking it out in those like smaller pieces will just help you to digest it a little bit more and I think it also helps you to be motivated a little bit more your debt payoff method, it's up to you. If you want to use, you know, debt avalanche where you pay off the highest interest rate debt first or the debt snowball where you ignore the interest rates and just focus on like that smallest debt. It's up to you which payoff you use. 
but just figure out a way where you can still be motivated as you're paying off debt. Because for those people with the bigger amounts of debt, as I said, it's going to take a while. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think it's important. Like I said, like for me, I started like paying off debt last year, like during the pandemic. And that's the same, a, a story, like I feel like happened for a lot of people when you see like, yeah, in the world, you're like, damn, I need to like free up all this money that I'm paying out to other people when I don't need to be. But wherever you start, like how much you pay, just remember, like, let it be something you like that you can do like right really do don't overshoot because you see people online like i paid off like five thousand dollars last month if you make five thousand dollars you are not going to be able to pay off five thousand dollars in debt exactly just take whatever steps you can i think like when i first started um i was paying the minimums and then um with the first stimulus i paid off something and then I went from there. Like I've been using my stimuluses to pay off something. Hopefully we get another stimulus. That <laughs> that I think about it. Like, let's get another stimulus. If you can also make that happen, Joe. Lovely. But also like just using whatever extra funds that you have that you don't need. Like I use my taxes towards um, paying off debt. Like whatever right. extra money I had, it was going towards that. I was working overtime at work using that to pay off debt. So and once I started doing that and really seeing the benefits, you're like, damn, I did that. And now um, yep. I would say there's a little portal of like black finance. Um, you, uh, I want to say YouTubers, but content creators of, yeah. on Instagram, but um, bitch on budgeting on, um, on Instagram. She's always like promoting people who have cars to like do that. I hustles like DoorDash, Instacart, yeah. that type of thing. So do that. I'm about to actually finance a car and my plan is like I am not using like my actual salary to pay off this car. I mm -hmm. my point is like I'm getting this car so now I have to work to pay off this car. Like this car right. paid off. <laughs> like I'm not yeah, like oh 72 months. Like my monthly payment will come from my side hustle. So that was like my motivation to get the car because now that I live in a city where I kind of need a car, it's also like I was like, I want to pay a car note. But like, if I you, you I feel you a functioning car, you kind of have to, unless you have money like that to pay, pay like $20,000 or even $15,000 on the car, but I did not, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my, my kind of like justifying it, like putting myself in more debt was like, well, everyone okay. will be out here side hustling to pay off your car payment and your insurance. Because you're like, I'm gonna be hustling to get this paid off. Don't worry, I will not be paying this, you know, for the amount of time they told me I'm gonna be paying this for. Right. And I think now that I'm in my like, in like the journey of my financial journey, and I know so much more. Um, I haven't actually purchased the car yet, but I'm like, even like bringing other pre approvals, like they gave me like a four, like the CarMax people gave me like a 14%. Um, rate for the low like going through their financing and I've already found a approval for like half that percentage so and it was a lower monthly payment so I'm just like yeah not doing it with them either way but I'm gonna try another tip is like if you are gonna like get credit or something like that try going through a credit union I'm trying to get like a credit union one pre-approval I was gonna say that. yeah the credit union 
the credit union is definitely like the way to go. Cause I remember like a um, couple of years back, I had gotten into an accident and like the insurance that rolled off my car, it was like, girl. And I had paid that, like, that was like my first car. And like, you know, I had saved up and paid for that cash. And you know, my little, you know, Riley was working fine. And I was like, y'all sure you got rid y'all gotta write this off. And it was like, yeah, I mean, we gonna give you a check for what it's worth, but you're out of luck. Like, that's it. And at the time, like, I did have, like, I, you know, I was in school. I did have, like, some emergency fund money, but it wasn't, like, where I was out here, um, you know, with, like, a full-blown, like, you know, six-month emergency fund. So I could have just dropped the whole thing and, like, got, like, a brand-new car off the lot. So I definitely had to go for use. And I spoke with, like, my, like, financial, like, advisor, like, at the credit union, and they were, like, well, they don't recommend, like, me using, like, all of the emergency fund that I had put aside while I was in school, so they were, like, okay, you're gonna use some of the insurance money, and then you can use, you know, some of your money, but then what you can do is, you know, do, like, a, a finance for, like, the least possible term, with them and then I can like obviously like accelerate the payoff because remember I was not used to having a car note like at all like I had paid for my first car cash so at first I was like I don't want to owe the bank like mm. and of course me my accounting mind was like oh definitely not getting like a brand new car because I was like the depreciation I was like thinking about all yeah, I'm getting this a used stuff. Car too. <laughs> yeah I was thinking about all this stuff with like the new car I was like okay that is not gonna work for me I'm gonna have to get a new car but then what I kind of did was like split it where it's like I did like half financing my loan was like five grand I think and then I like I paid the rest like cash and then like I literally like did that car loan like pre like, even, like, before, like, I was focusing, like, on my student loans and stuff, like, that car loan just had to go, honey. Like, I probably had that car loan for, like, I think I had it for, like, a year, maybe, like, a year and a couple months, because I was, like, I don't want this loan. Like, I literally only did this to, like, get myself another car, like, at that point in time, and then that motivated me to put more in my emergency fund once I had, like, you know, finished college and things like that, but then when I started to pay off like the student loans, I kind of reduced my emergency fund in a way because I was like in a stable situation where I wasn't too worried about, you know, not having money to cover something. Um, that's another thing too with paying off debt. Please make sure you have some type of emergency fund set up. Like the, the, the amount, it's up to you. Like some people can get away with doing like maybe like a two month emergency fund just while they're paying off debt. Other people, it's like, no, depending, like your situation is very like, you know, risky, you know, volatile or whatever. You need that six month or that three month before you start paying off debt aggressively. So that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I learned a lot of lessons with that car because I felt like I was kind of like forced in a way and I didn't like being in that situation. So that just like, made me think like okay these are some of the things that I'm gonna do to not be put in a position like that again and even though like yes I paid off the loan like I think my loan was like for three years or something whatever the minimum they could have given given it to me for but I just knew like I was not paying this for three years like I was just like no thank you I want this out of my life um 
and yeah, I was gonna, I think I had it for like a year and like maybe like six months, I think, or maybe a little bit more than that, but I don't know. But yeah, so at that point, I did get a really good deal with the credit union. So that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Like I got a really good interest rate. I think my interest rate was like maybe like 2% and some change. And then my monthly payment was like a hundred and something dollars. Like it was like under 150, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but I paid that off like aggressively because I was like, I'm trying to get rid of this. And that's that's why I keep telling people as well, like, even though like I had like other, like, you know, like a, a small car loan and things like that, I did a whole bunch of other like goals that I accomplished before I kind of started like this quote unquote debt free journey. You know what I mean? With the student loans. Like I did a whole bunch of other stuff like along the way. So right. So definitely y'all go. If you're going to get a loan for something of importance, because you shouldn't just be in loans for no reason, but right. get like a car loan or something, go through a credit union. Sometimes I, I find that what I realized now that I'm trying to do this is that they usually require you to open an account with them. Um, yeah. Be like It's usually a small amount that you have to deposit right away. Mine was like $5, but yeah. if you have really good credit, they'll give you like a 1% uh rate APR will mm-hmm. credit union but worst case scenario like you're at an okay average um credit score like four to five percent mm-hmm. is way better than what any other bank or institution will give you so right you should probably go in place and start buying things because they'll give you the highest interest rate and let you pay that high amount so they sure will because I always tell people the banks are not our friends guys like they are out here to get their interest and their fees and all of that and I think that's why I also was like even though like I did go through my credit union and I did get like you know that good deal quote unquote at the end of the day like I still owe these people money and I was just like, yeah, I'm about, yeah, I'm not gonna get over on me. Even though the interest was super low, I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm getting rid of this. <laughs> like, I am getting rid of this. Yeah. So, yeah. I had a couple personal loans in addition to my credit card that I had, and I paid those motherfuckers off, like to the point where it was Period. and with interest. Even though I had like a real high interest, I probably had like 25, 26 percent interest because I paid it down so fast, I only paid like a couple hundred dollars on the first one. And on the yeah. second, I'm letting the, the payments should end in July. So I'm kind of letting that one ride out because I realized like I'd only be paying like $20 more. Um, and honestly, like to the $250, I could put as a bigger payment towards something else rather than trying to pay like $250 off for like to get Right, to- right. So, you know, play with it, do what it do. For my car loan in specific, if people are wondering, um I'm trying to get the longest term because I want like a smaller um payment but I'm going to be making big once I finish paying off my personal debt because side hustling I'm going to be paying off I'm going to be using to pay my car payment with my and my insurance but also tackle most of the my debt that I have so once I pay off the rest of the personal debt that I have which shouldn't take long at all Honestly, like I said, it should be done in quarter three. The next step is like all of that money will be going towards that loan. And it yes, will- Yes, I love it. There's, there's, <laughs> I have a big plan for it. So it's like, you guys, 
make plans if you're going to be doing like if you have to take a setback and I was so discouraged because I initially wanted to buy my car cash but right with the cars and how they're set up like you do not want to get like a hoopty for like five thousand with <laughs> like so much more in maintenance just trying to keep that car rather than just getting like a nicer car and honestly like if I'm being real it was also like the features of cars when I started looking because I'm like okay okay <laughs> at least need to have bluetooth. like I can't just not have bluetooth <laughs> <laughs> no you're like listen this is doing it for me so i'm a you know this is what i want so yeah, no. i mean i feel you i feel like well, personal one. finance yes like personal finance is personal so you know do what you need to do i think it's just like it's great that you have like that plan in mind of like what you're gonna do to like pay it off like for someone else, they may be like, well, no, I don't, I don't want to get a car loan. Like, you know what I mean? And then it's like, for you, it's like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, but this is what I'm doing to be able to tackle that new car loan. So I love that. And I always tell people like, yeah, personal finance is personal. What you may not like, someone else might be like, okay, bet. Cause it's just like where, where some people in the personal finance community thinks like, okay, if I have like low interest debt, I can just kind of like maybe like hang on to it in a way and just like put that money towards investing because like the return you would get, et cetera, et cetera. And then other people are like, like no, nah, I just want to get this rid of this debt and then I'll add the additional money to my investing, you know? So it's just about like your personal preference. But once you know that you have the information available to you and you're able to make those sound decisions and you have a plan I think that's what's more important versus like trying to tell people like if there's one way to do something because I don't believe in that like at all it's not like a one size like fit all it's just like when sometimes like people talk about like student loans and be like well you you know you should work throughout college and you should do this so you can avoid student loans and I I get that because as I said earlier, I had a bunch of scholarships. I applied for all of the scholarships. But girl, I got scholarships for things that I wasn't even like technically like qualified for. Like there were scholarships that people in those um, demographics didn't apply for. So I got them, you know? Uh, trust me, I was the scholarship queen. I had essays, like a whole folder on my computer with essays to apply for scholarships. So you can't tell me about scholarships because trust me, I maxed out everything that I could get, you know? So I always tell people, just remember like your privilege if you do have the opportunity to go through school debt-free, you know, that's great. Not everyone probably has that opportunity. I know now there is, you know, more things out there for people to get more access to scholarships than of course, with our generation, we are more thinking about if you know we do want children. People are talking about 529 plans now and all of these, you know, accounts that we can, you know, pass down to our children. So that's a whole other thing. But I tell people all the time, it's like, don't talk to people about like, oh, well, you should not get student loans. Maybe frame it in a way of like, hey, here are like four things you can do to try to get scholarship or have you tried these things to be able to get you know someone to pay for your degree 
or something like that versus just being like, you know, pointing your fingers like don't get student loans, you know? I don't think that's helpful because sometimes that may be someone's only choice. And the student loan system, that's a whole other topic. Like they do need to revamp that whole thing and how how much people are able to borrow and how they educate people on that. But yeah, that's all I'm gonna say on that. Well, we're going to end the episode here. Um, This was like a great episode. And I I feel like you guys have a lot to learn from this situation. Um, Hopefully, hopefully we were helpful. And hopefully you listen to us. Because we're telling you the truth. These are people. We are people who are in debt currently. Currently. So. Exactly. We are telling y'all the real deal. Okay. Like. And I I also love that we're like both people who like don't live with our, our parents because I feel like a lot of the stores are like I paid off 50k in six months like they live with their parents we don't live with our parents right we paying it off right own money and we also pay rent okay so yes <laughs> um we uh, we have our own set of bills to pay um Nico tell them where they can find you on the webs yes so um, you guys can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Financially Winning. I basically share my own personal debt-free story. And I love also just providing resources and tips for you guys related to all things personal finance. And then I also have an Etsy shop and you guys can find that at financiallywinning.etsy.com. I offer um, user-friendly instant download finance printables and trackers. So anything that you're kind of saving up for or paying off, there's probably a tracker on there or a printable on there that you can use. Yes. Um, Be sure to follow the podcast at Adulting with Wine. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. I put on my jewelry just to go to the bodega. And I keep it with me just so that I'm feeling safer. Fendi on my body, but my feet is in Bottega. Bitch, I'm getting money, give a fuck about a hater.